So I'm going to read real quick out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. It says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Pray again. God, we thank you for the way that you've gifted Jamie, that God you have worked through him to masterfully place us in a spot where we are, have been singing and thinking about forgiveness. God, we thank you that you worked through Jamie to lead us in that worship, to lead us in those songs. God, to guide us in that prayer. God, to guide us in that worship. So Lord, now that we have arrived at this moment where forgiveness is on our minds and on our hearts, God, we just pray that you would strike quickly. That God, you would strike deep. God, we know that your word is a two-edged sword that can cut straight to the heart of man. So God, we pray that you would do that right now. God, I pray that you would destroy who I am and what I am bringing, but that God, instead, you would merely speak through me, that God, you would be speaking through your word to cut to our cores, God, to change our hearts. So that God, this isn't just knowledge that we pack away, but instead, Lord, this is life-changing truth. God, let others see the difference in us because we belong to you. So Lord, I just beg that you would use the folly of what I preach, God, to save those of us who believe. Lord, we pray this all according to your will. Amen. Now, uh, when I was five years old, I still kind of had this particular perception of my parents. Uh, I think a lot of us were kind of in that spot where as growing up, you just kind of see your parents as these larger than life sort of figures that just sort of roam around your house and like take you places, right? I sort of saw my parents as almost these robots that just, you know, they plug themselves in at night and kind of shut down. And then like in the morning, when I wake up and I need to eat, they like come and they like serve me and they do these things, right? And, And that was just sort of my perception of parents. I didn't really see them as people yet, right? I'm still, I'm working on it, but I'm, I'm almost there, right? But the thing is, when I was five, I was doing a really good kid. All growing up, I obeyed my parents. I just followed their instructions, right? Because I thought maybe they were robots, right? They could crush my head like a grape, right? So I needed to do whatever they said, and then everything would be, would be great. But when I was five, one day my mom painted my bathroom door. She decided that I needed a fresh coat of paint. She just put it on, and as she, just as she finished, she saw me kind of walk up to the bathroom. She said, Jacob, she pulled me aside. She goes, Jacob, do not touch the bathroom door. Do not touch it. It is wet paint. Do not touch it. And I said, hey, no biggie, right? Like, all right. I don't touch doors all the time, mom. Come on, be cool, right? I got this. Like, I'm all over this. Doors, who even, who needs them? I have so many other things. I can, walls, carpet. Like, there's a lot of other things I can touch right now, right? But as soon as my mom turned away, as soon as she walked off, immediately I thought, I've got to touch that door, Right? (laughs) Like all of a sudden, I just, I see it and the world is just sort of like fading away. And it's that moment where there's like a spotlight on me and a spotlight on the door. And it's like, Jacob, touch me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I will, I will, door. And so I just went over and I just ever so gently placed my hand on the door. And oh my gosh, it was awesome, right? Like just spectacular. I don't know if you've touched a freshly painted door, but life changing, right? But I put my hand on it. And I drew it away, and I discovered there's paint, paint all over my hand. And I thought, oh, this is going to be so bad. So I tried to, like, wash off my hand real quick, 
kind of tried to hide. But unfortunately, my mom came back almost immediately and was walking back to do something on the door. And she noticed immediately that there was this handprint smack dab in the middle of the door. And she looked at it and she looked at me and she looked back and I could just see the like, just the, the turmoil, right? The rage in her eyes. And I was like, this is it. Like I'm, she's going to spank me in the next week. Like I'm, I'm done, right? Like there's, there's no way I'm surviving this encounter. But instead of spanking me, instead of grounding me, instead of taking away a toy, my mom did something so much worse. In that moment, she stood there and she just started crying. And I felt so terrible, right? Even as a five-year-old, I see my mom crying. I felt the weight of what I had done on our relationship. And so in that moment, as my mom is just crying and crying about this door and about my disobedience and kind of saying, I told you not to. In that moment, I mean, I just start to cry. Because I was like, what? I'm sorry. I didn't know. Right? It called to me. And like, I, just, I just broke down in the bathroom until basically it was just my mom and me. And we're just standing in my bathroom crying, <laughs> pointing at a door. Right? Like, it was kind of a weird moment, but a powerful one, right? Because in that moment, I realized, wow, there are things that I can do that will severely hurt a relationship that I have with my mom. And the truth is that a lot of us, we've been in that exact situation, right? Hopefully not crying in the bathroom so much, right? But we've been in that moment where either we have been hurt terribly or we have hurt someone else so deeply. And we feel that, that weight, we feel that, that rift, that, that pain, in our relationship. And I, I know that some of us, we have said things that have just torn our friends down or torn our brother or our sister. We are in here, and, and I know that some of us, I mean, we have been lied about, right? Someone just spreads a rumor or a lie about you that's not even true, and that hurts. I know that in a group this size, I know that we have experienced physical pain, right? Maybe we've been sexually abused. Maybe we've just been physically abused. I know it happens. We've all experienced that. We've been in that place. I know statistically a lot of us, one of our parents wasn't faithful in their marriage. And so they split up when we were a kid. And we see the pain. We see the rift. We feel that weight on that relationship. And what do we do with it? What do we do? What do I do when I have all this pain and all this hurt? What do I do with it? And the world, you see, it tells me, it says, you know what you need to do? You need to take that pain. You need to let it grow. The world tells me that I need to gather up all that hurt, all that pain, all that sorrow, and I need to just kind of gather it up and kind of let it take root in me and grow deep. And all of a sudden, I use it, right? I use it to empower myself. And then I can go, and it powers my sport or my work, right, or my art or my music or whatever. It, it, it enables me to become this better, this greater being. And that'll show them, right? That'll show that person that hurt me. That'll show them. That's why we have heroes like Luke Skywalker, his aunt and uncle get gunned down by stormtroopers off camera. And so we discover it. And Luke says, ah! And he gets so upset that he grabs a light sword. And he grabs a ruggedly handsome Harrison Ford. And they just run off. And they blow up the Death Star, right? He's like, I'm going to use this, right? I'm going to channel this. I'm going to destroy you. Harry Potter was bullied, right? He had to live in this little cupboard underneath a stair. And so what does he do? He takes all that pain, takes all that bullying, he just kind of uses it, and then suddenly, boom, magic, right? And he starts like throwing snakes on people and like dropping cupcakes on their heads. He's like, ah, and he's doing all this crazy stuff where he's magicking back against these bullies and these people that hurt him, right? That's why we have heroes like Katniss, 
who her people are oppressed and they have to work in the coal mines. And, oh, that's terrible. And so suddenly all the people in the, from the capital come in, they grab them, they throw them into the Hunger Games. And then she just takes all that rage and all that pain and all that hurt that she's experienced for years and years and she channels it and she just starts murdering people, right? Just one-way ticket to murder town, right? She's the teenage girl Rambo, just shooting people and dropping bugs and just snapping necks, right? Like she's just going nuts, right? Hanging their scalps around her neck, right? In the book, you know. But she does all these things, right? And we see that and we're like, yeah, you do that, right? And we get so excited. We're like, yeah, they took all that pain. They took all that hurt and they used it and it took root and they let it grow and it empowered them. But God says something completely different. When we look in scripture, what we see is God says, you know what? You take that pain and you let it go. It doesn't grow. You just let it go. You take that hurt, you take that pain, and you release it. You don't gather it up. You release it immediately because otherwise it will kill you. That's what Scripture tells us, that we need to forgive. Instead of a life that has been powered by the past abuses that we've experienced, instead we live a life that is built upon experiencing and extending forgiveness. That's what we're all about. That's what the Christian life is all about. Experiencing and extending forgiveness. And it's completely counter to what our culture tells us. But the truth is that we've got to do that. Right? That is a completely necessary thing because if we don't release that pain, if we don't release that hurt, if we don't release those wrongs, if we're not experiencing and extending forgiveness, otherwise unforgiveness is going to enter into our hearts and unforgiveness wrecks relationships. Unforgiveness always wrecks relationships, time and time again. So this morning, what I want us to do is we're going to look at almost a a broad spectrum of Scripture. We're going to look at this idea of forgiveness. We're going to answer three simple questions about forgiveness. We're going to look at what is it. We're going to look at why do I need it, and then how do I get it. What is forgiveness? Why do I need forgiveness? And how do I get forgiveness? You see, we need to start by defining what forgiveness is uh, because there's a very important distinction we need to understand. As we're reading these verses, like that one in Matthew, that maybe you heard it read and you're like, well, that's kind of weird, right? We need to understand a very important distinction in the Bible, in Scripture, between forgiveness and righteousness. Okay, they're two different things. Forgiveness is included within righteousness, but they are, in fact, separate. Forgiveness and righteousness. I actually stole this definition from Tim Keller, who put it great. He said, forgiveness says you may go, but righteousness says you may come. Forgiveness is, all right, you've been pardoned, you can leave, but righteousness is you have been given all of these things. You have been given righteousness. Come. Enter into this. Get these privileges. Uh, One of the best ways I thought of it was within the army, uh, there is this one guy who was just super stellar awesome. His name was Audie Murphy, right? He's staring. He's got that icy glaze, like glare, like straight into your soul. Uh, Because this kid, honestly, when this picture was taken, he's probably about 20 years old. He, He earned that medal of honor hanging around his neck when he was about 20. Fought in World War II. Went to a lot of the different kind of theaters of battle. He was all over the world, like fighting for the Allies, fighting for America. He was incredibly successful. He did all these crazy things. He earned that Medal of Honor uh, by fighting off 50 Germans, 50 Nazis, all by himself. 
uh, there was a, this tank that was kind of injured and it was about to explode. Like it was smoking and tanks blow up when they start smoking, in case you didn't know. And so he just went and his, his squad was pinned down. There's all these Germans approaching. So he ran and he got on top of this tank that had been abandoned because everyone's like, that thing's going to blow. But he just stood on top of it and grabbed the 50 caliber machine gun on top and he just starts shooting people to save his squad so the squad could retreat more. He just jumps up and starts shooting people. Fights off 50 Germans in that moment. So they said, you know what? You get the Medal of Honor. Not only that, you get a bunch of other medals. He was one of the most decorated soldiers we've ever had in all of history. And then he finished up about 2021 when he came back to the States. And he starred in like 44 different movies. He like wrote this book. His, auto, his memoirs is called To Hell and Back. Okay, that's, that's the life that this guy lived. So when he left the army, it was this big deal, right? There are so many different things that are named after this man. There are so many different things that people say, wow, you are amazing. And you know what? That is something that we have bestowed upon him. That's something that his superiors saw. They saw, we see what you've done, and we're going to give you these medals. We're going to give you this honor. We're going to allow you to come in to these, you know, these meetings, and you're going to come to these hearings, and you're going to come to these conferences, and you're going to speak, and we're going to applaud you because we have seen what you have done, and we, we bestow upon you justification. We justify why you are here. We give you these medals. Right? This is in you know, contrast to some people when they leave the army, even if they do a really great job, sometimes they just, they just leave. Right? Sometimes you just get discharged, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's definitely a difference right? in the same way that between forgiveness and righteousness, when I am saved, when I place my faith in Jesus Christ, when I realize that I'm a sinner and then realize that Christ is the only way to solve that sin, when I put my faith in him, I'm immediately forgiven. God looks at me and says, that's it's fine. You're forgiven. Christ paid for those sins. But more than that, that's not the only reason I put my faith in Christ. It's not just for forgiveness. Instead, I'm also made righteous. God bestows upon me these medals, these medals that I didn't earn, but instead Christ earned for me. When I put my faith in Christ, I am given all of the bravery that Christ had. I'm given the, the honor. I'm given the morality. I'm given the justice that Christ had. I'm given all these different things that he had been given, and it's put on me. That's why Romans 3 tells us, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, and this is it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Scripture is clear that all I have to do in order to receive this righteousness is to put my faith in Christ. That's it. That's why Paul calls him a propitiation. Jews knew that when they thought back to their olden times where they're in the tabernacle and they had a temple and they're marching around and they've got these priests that would go forward and they would perform sacrifices for the nation. There's this one sacrifice once a year. A priest would go into the Holy of Holies where there was the Ark of the Covenant, the sacred box where God had instructed to put a few different pieces from Israel's history. And the head priest would once a year go into that room, into the Holy of Holies, the very center of their temple where God resided. And he would take with him some blood. He would spill some blo- the blood of a lamb on top of that ark. And so that when God looked down, he didn't see the sins of Israel. He didn't see the faults of Israel. Instead, he saw that blood. And he counted to them 
as righteousness. That faith that they were placing in that blood was then counted to them as righteousness. That's what Christ does. When he died, his blood, his sacrifice is put over me. It is a propitiation so that when God looks down, I am righteous. I'm righteous. Thanks to Christ. So realize that forgiveness and righteousness are both given at salvation. And by God's grace and his wisdom, he continually allows me the gift of seeking his forgiveness time and time again, right? I stand righteous. I am made righteous, but I continue seeking forgiveness. And that's a gift. We're going to unpack that here in a minute. But while I stand righteous, I still seek forgiveness time and time again. God intentionally allows us to experience his forgiveness over and over every time we ask. But realize, again, hear me this morning, righteousness, one and done, Okay, that's, we do not, it never tells us to seek, to receive God's righteousness time and time again. No, that is one time deal. Put my faith in Christ, it's counted to me as righteousness, boom, it's over. But I continue to seek forgiveness. I continue to seek that experience. And God does that very intentionally. He does that uh, because he wants to set this precedence kind of in our lives. Uh, when I was touching that door, right, after I had placed my hand on that door and my mom was coming back, uh, to punish me, even in that moment, even when I didn't know how, what she was going to do or how she was going to punish me, in that moment, I didn't worry that she was going to disown me, right? Like, I didn't worry that she was going to walk up and, oh, well, here's a stick and a bandana and recipe for hobo soup. Good luck, right? Like, that's not, I knew she wasn't going to do that, right? I knew she wasn't going to just cast me out into the oblivion, right? I knew that I would always be her son, I was confident of that fact. I stood in that position, but I still wanted her forgiveness. I still sought her forgiveness. I still wanted to seek out that experience of forgiveness from her. Why? What was driving me to get that? Why did I have this need, this built-in need? Why do I need forgiveness? It's because, again, I can't say it enough. Unforgiveness wrecks relationships. It wrecks them. It wrecks our relationship with men, right? When I'm walking through the world, I can see time and time again how unforgiveness goes into the relationships between people and it destroys them, right? It would have been terrible if my mom had like gone in, maybe, you know, cried a little bit and parted ways. And if I ended that story by telling you, oh yeah, and you know, I haven't talked to her for 20 years, but... Oh, well, you know, like that, that'd be a horrible end to that story, right? If that was the grand conclusion and she's still mad at me, if she gives me a fist bump on my birthdays, that's it, right? Like that would be horrendous, right? But the truth is that we see that, right? We see relationships, we see families. Maybe you're in a family where there's just a feud, right? You know that Uncle Billy and Aunt Susu, like they just, ooh, there's just something going on. Like one of them like said something mean about the other one's dog, back in the 80s, and they haven't spoken since, right? Like, that, that's out there. That exists, right? We have famous feuds in our country's history, right? And the Old West was, like, built on feuds, right? Everyone was like, oh, I'm a Hafgood. I'm a McCoy. Well, bang, right? Like, that's, that's how they existed, right? That was, like, what they did. It was built on these feuds. It was built on this unforgiveness. We look out across the world. We see international conflict. We see genocide. You know what that comes from? Unforgiveness, it's because these groups, something happened with this ethnicity, and they did something to the, my ethnic group, and so suddenly, ooh, we just hate each other for years and years and years and years. It's insane. 
And it all stems from unforgiveness. We see that this unforgiveness, man, it wrecks our relationship with other men and other women. It happens over and over and over again. And you know what? The truth is that it's going to continue to happen. We're not going to fix that this morning because we are all sinful, broken people who are going to clash. That's just going to happen. We're all sinners who continue to sin, and that sin is going to create conflict. We're going to butt heads, and we're going to mash into people, and we are going to have this conflict, and there's going to be a need for forgiveness, which is why Christ told his disciples in Luke 17, I love this, he says, pay attention to yourselves. He says, if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Wrap your mind around that, right? Imagine that you have that friend that just walks into your house and just slaps you in the face, right? <laughs> just, just does it, just goes for it. Maybe a backhand, pa. And then immediately after he goes, hey, dude, I'm sorry. Oh, I repent. Christ says you have to be like, hey, that's, that's cool. Like, that's all right, right? And then your friend does it again, right? I repent, dude. Oh, dude, no worries. Like, that's, can you help me pick up my teeth? Like, like you, would, you would have to forgive him, right? Seven times. If he just stood there, just slap. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Every time you're like, that's, that's cool, man. Right? Until so you black out from slapping, right? But Christ says, this is what you need to do. You don't even count, right? That's what he's getting at. He's not saying, at number eight, though, you get him back, right? Like, that's not, that's not the lesson, right? Instead, he's saying, no, you don't even count. You keep going. You keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. And that's why I love his disciples' response. When they hear that, they're like, uh, verse 5, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith, <laughs> right? Because they hear that and they're immediately like, holy cow, what? Like they don't even know what to do. And what I love is that they're not saying, hey, uh, increase our forgiveness, right? Why don't they ask that? Why, why don't they just say, hey, increase our forgiveness towards others, right? Instead, no, they ask for faith. Catch that. That's important. Why do they ask for faith? It's because they understood something that Jesus had taught over and over and over again. We see in the Gospels repeatedly. They understood that our extension of forgiveness is intrinsically connected to our experience of forgiveness. My extension of forgiveness is hand-in-hand with my experience, my personal experience of forgiveness. That's why Jesus told him in Matthew 6, what we read at the beginning, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The apostles heard him say that. The apostles heard him say in Mark 11, and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Now remember, Christ is not addressing salvation. Right? This is not Christ saying, if you don't forgive people, you're not going to heaven. Right? That's not what he's saying. Instead of addressing salvation, he is simply reminding them of that thing that I'm saying over and over and over again, that our experience of forgiveness drastically affects our ability to extend, and vice versa. The forgiveness that I extend is so deeply tied to the forgiveness that I experience. Right? When my mom saw me, right? And after she had finished crying, after I touched the door and wounded her, you know, right to her core, after she started crying, we both were kind of wiping up our tears. She forgave me, right? She's a great mom, the best. Your mom, nope, mine, right? 
My mom forgave me. She looked at me and she said, Jacob, it's okay. I forgive you. Right? I still got punished, but she forgave me. And shortly after that, literally probably that day or in the next few days, I went to my room one day and discovered uh, that my three-year-old sister had bitten the head off of one of my Darth Vader action figures. Okay, I had two, right, just in case. And one of them no longer had a head, right? One awesome, Lord of the Sith, right? The other one, like dead, right? You can't play with a headless Darth Vader. It doesn't work. And in that moment, my five-year-old self, right, five-year-old Jacob lost his mind, right? He went insane, right? Because this was my Star Wars action figure. I had these Star Wars figures. It was my favorite toys. And I knew that Hannah, my little sister, had bitten the head off. And so I just started running around. I tried to find her in the house, just screaming like a banshee, right? I'm going to, threatening to like bite her head off, right? Like I didn't know like what I was going to do, but it was something bad, right? And in that moment, I'm running and screaming and running after her. And she's slamming doors and all that stuff. And my mom comes in and she says, Jacob, what are you doing? Why are you acting like this? How can you do this? Right? Because we as adults, clear thinking adults can look back at that and we say, what was I thinking? Me, the five-year-old Jacob who had just touched a door and had been forgiven. How could I condemn my sister as unforgivable when I had just been forgiven of so much? That's why in Matthew 18, Christ has this parable where he talks about this servant who's forgiven this incredible debt by the king. And then he walks out of that meeting where he'd just been forgiven. It was amazing. And he finds someone else that owes him like just a little bit of money. And the guy starts choking him. He literally starts choking him to get his money back. He says, why didn't you give me your money? Christ is telling us, look, there is this crazy disconnect in our minds between the, the forgiveness that we receive and the forgiveness that we give. But we need to connect those, right? We need to see that relationship. That's why God established our relationship in the same way that our relationship stands with one another. Our relationship with one another depends entirely on continual forgiveness, repeated forgiveness over and over and over again. And that's why God has graciously allowed us to seek his forgiveness over and over and over again. Not for salvation, but for our walk, for our peace of mind, for our own experience. That as we stand in that righteousness and seek his forgiveness, we get to experience God's forgiveness. And it's beautiful. It's a gift to be cherished. And it's crucial for maintaining a healthy relationship with both him and others. That's why in John, Christ said, the one who has bathed, he's talking to Peter, sorry. He says, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. Christ is telling them, look, you're clean. You've been washed. You've bathed, right? Your entire body, you're, you're good. You have been made righteous. My righteousness has been given to you. But your feet are going to get dirty because you're walking around this world that's full of filth and it's full of sin and you're going to get dusty. You're going to get dirty. You're going to get sin on your feet. So you need to wash it. Come back to me. Let them be washed time and time again. That's what he's referring to. That's what he's talking about in Matthew 6. That's what he's talking about in Mark He's saying, look, you've been washed, but your feet are dirty. And you know what? If you look at someone else's dirty feet and you're like, ugh, no way. In that case, God could withhold forgiveness from you. He could say, you know what? You need to figure that out. 
So repeatedly in Scripture, we see, even Paul says, look, if you want to take the Lord's Supper, hey, first of all, go make sure you're good with other people. Make sure that you've forgiven others, that others have forgiven you. Get that straight. It says, because that, that forgiveness that we're extending to one another, it is intrinsically connected to that forgiveness that we're experiencing from God. So as I am walking through life, again, I am washed, but my feet are getting dirty, and they need to be cleaned. And that's why sometimes, man, when God looks at us and when we look at God and we're trying to walk with him and kind of have this great relationship and this healthy thing, sometimes there's just a disconnect, right? We've all experienced a disconnection from God. It pops up in every believer's life at some point, if not over and over and over again, where there's this moment where you want to connect with the Lord and you just can't. I did junior high ministry for three years here at Anderson. And uh, in the middle of that, one night I was, I was up here late at night on a Saturday setting up the gym, they setting up equipment and stuff for, the, for Sunday morning. And I distinctly remember uh, I was just frustrated. Gosh, I was just frustrated with circumstances in my life. I was frustrated with some relationships. I was just, there was just things going on. And in that moment, I mean, I, I just, I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know really else, where else to turn, right? Because I was in junior high ministry. And I don't, if you've ever been in junior high ministry, you know that that is like, that is boots on the ground. That is front lines. That's in the trenches kind of stuff, right? Junior high ministry can just come into your life and find your faith tree and just shake it, right? Like that's, that's what junior high ministry is for, right? Shaking that faith tree. And so in that moment, as I'm wheeling out this equipment, I just start yelling. I start yelling. Just yelling at God. Just like, why is this happening? Why is this thing going? And, and I just kind of yell. And I'm just kind of getting out of this frustration. And I literally, I literally lay down on the ground, right? And not in like that cool spiritual way where it's like, Lord, like I lay myself down, right? Like not like that. It was just like, ah, right? Just laid out on the ground in the middle of the gym. I was just laying there just yelling like a crazy person. Just, God, Lord, ah. And it was that moment where I just, I didn't have this connection. I was in full-time ministry and yet I didn't feel connected with God. And I didn't know how to, Fix it. And we see that in our lives. We see that in scripture. We see David in Psalm 13. He says, how long, O Lord? He says, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Imagine David's lying on the ground. I don't know if he really was, but just imagine. He's lying on the ground. He says, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? God, where are you? What are you doing? We see this in our lives. We see it in scripture. And what I want to warn you is that sometimes, not always, but sometimes that is caused by an unrepentant sin in your life. Sometimes in that moment where you're like, God, where are you? I would challenge you, look at your feet. Look and see, is there a sin in your life That although, yes, you are standing righteous, yes, it's forgiven whether you ask for it or not, right? That the work of Christ is complete. Your salvation is complete. The faith that you put in Christ is all you need. There's no work involved. I don't have to confess over and over again to ensure my salvation. But if I want to experience God's forgiveness, if I want to maintain a healthy relationship with him, I look at my feet. I look for that dirt. I confess it. And I go before God and I ask him for forgiveness because sometimes that disconnect is caused by an unrepentant 
sin. That's why the devil, literally the name, the devil, it means the accuser. Because one of the devil's main characteristics, one of his main strategies is that he will bring up sin in your life and he uses it to block your relationship with God, right? He can't keep you out of heaven. He can't keep you out of eternal fellowship with God. But while you're here on earth, he can throw wrenches into the system, right? He can mess things up. He can kind of break a little bit of that connection. And so he accuses you and he brings up that sin. He says, look at your feet. He says, look at those disgusting feet. How could God love you? How can you call yourself a Christian? How long has it been since you read your Bible? How many people have you discipled? When's the last time you were in a Bible study, huh? Look at what you did last night. Look at what happened to you a year ago. Look what you said to your friend. How could God love you? That's what Satan does time and time again. And I want to encourage you and challenge you that as you look at those feet, as you see that dirt, as you see that filth, you can still receive forgiveness. You can still get it through confession. As we are consistently experiencing and extending forgiveness, I I would just challenge you that what we're going to do here in a minute is we're going to spend a little bit of time thinking of a few sins or a sin or just one thing, right? We're going to spend a little bit of time in silence, praying, examining our hearts, looking at our feet and thinking, God, is there something that I need to repent of? Is there something that I need to confess? Is there something blocking our relationship? Could our relationship be healthier than it is right now? And we can do that with confidence, right? This isn't just like what Jacob thinks I should do. This is what scripture tells us. That's why 1 John says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says, look, you've been made righteous. So there's going to be some little pieces, there's going to be little pieces of unrighteousness that try to stick to you. No way. You can wipe it right off. It doesn't stick. As long as you confess those sins to God. As I'm confessing to God, I know that he's faithful. He is just to forgive me. And as I do that, James told me to therefore confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Not only am I confessing to God first, but then I go and I confess maybe to an accountability partner. Maybe I have someone in my life that we meet once a week and we say, look, this is something that's going on. I need help. I need you to keep me accountable. I need you to ask me about this. Text me next week. Talk to me about this. Ask me that tough question. Let me confess my sin to you. Or maybe you're confessing not to just your accountability partner. Maybe you're confessing to the person you wronged. Right? Not in all cases. I realize that there are going to be some dark sins that are going to happen in our lives where we can't just immediately go to the person and try to sort it all out, right? Some things need time. And they need the right time. They need the right place. And it needs to be said in the right way. But at some point, maybe that confession needs to happen. Maybe you talk about it with that victim of sin or the perpetrator of the sin against you. And as I'm confessing to God, as I'm confessing to others, I can be confident I can be challenged by Paul when he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. He's just reiterating that point. That as I remember how God forgave me in Christ, as I remember that experience of forgiveness, as I continue to seek him, 
as I stand in his righteousness, but seek his forgiveness as I am receiving that and experiencing that time and time again, that empowers me to be kind to someone else, to be tenderhearted to someone else, to forgive my brother, even when he slaps me seven times a day. I still forgive. I still, I still extend it because I've experienced such great forgiveness. God is calling you today to stand in his righteousness. If you have not placed your faith in Christ, please talk to me after this. Come talk to me. Let's just have a conversation. I just want to hear about your story. I just want to hear your life. I want to hear why you're in the spot you are today, why you're here this morning. Talk to me. Or talk to your friend that brought you. First and foremost, we are called to stand in that righteousness and that is only available through faith in Christ. But once I have that righteousness, I'm called to seek God's forgiveness time and again through confession, through confessing to him, through confessing to others so that I can experience his forgiveness and then extend it to others. So let's pray. Lord, again, we just, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that you are so good, that your son, that Jesus Christ paid it all. God, we thank you for that truth that we can sing loudly in this church. God, we pray that we would allow that forgiveness, that experience of your forgiveness, God, to empower our extension of forgiveness. Lord, I pray that we would all not just write this off as a truth that we've heard over and over again, but God, let us take this and use it, apply it, If you would, take this moment, take a minute right now and just examine your feet. Search your heart. Ask God to reveal to you where's the sin in your life that needs confession. Ask God not that you would be bogged down by guilt from the accuser, the accusations of our enemy, but ask God to help you confess those things. Confess those things right now. Take that moment. Find those things. Confess. And as you're confessing to the Lord, pray, ask him to tell you if there is someone else you need to talk to about that. Someone else you should reveal that sin. Someone else you need to shed light upon the subject with. Whether it's an accountability partner, whether it's someone that you lied about, that you said something mean to, that you lashed out against. Ask God to show you where that is in your life. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful to forgive, that, God, you are just. That when you look at us, you see the righteousness of Christ, that, God, that he was a propitiation for our sins. God, we thank you for that fact. Lord, we thank you that we have been given the opportunity to experience your forgiveness time and again. That, Lord, it would always be fresh, that, God, it would always be new. God, help us take that experience, extend it to others. Lord, bless us this week. God, watch our steps. God, watch our words. Allow us to live faithfully according to your will. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen.